This is HR in Review, a podcast dedicated to HR thought leadership, actionable advice, and all the latest developments in human resource management. Welcome to another episode of the HR in Review show. I'm your guest host today, Bill Bannum, and joining me on this episode to talk about how to nail your employee benefits launch is Jamie Keeling, head of solutions over at My Staff Shop, a company specializing in creating tailored employee benefits and rewards and recognition via their platform. My Staff Shop provides employees with exclusive deals and discounts, free financial advice and saving tips to suit every situation. Jamie and his team pride themselves on their friendly and collaborative way of working, and I can certainly testify to that, Um, putting the interest of clients at the heart of everything they do. They are lovely people, great to work with, and it's lovely to have you here today, Jamie. Bill, it's a real pleasure to be on the show. Thank you very much. If you enjoy the HR and Review podcast, please consider giving us a five-star rating in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. This helps others find us and grow our community of HR and related professionals. So, Jamie, beyond my wee introduction there, why don't you take a minute or so and tell our listeners a bit more about yourself and also a bit more about my staff shop. Thank you. So... Aside from my professional accolades, which you did a great job of detailing there in the intro, um, I also have a great number of children. So I'm father to seven kids in total, which keeps me busy and keeps me on point with my people management skills. Um, And I'm an ex-world champion in martial arts of Taekwondo. So I like to keep fit and healthy outside of work. And I think that out of everything I've done and achieved in my life, the martial arts and particularly my study of Stoic philosophy, are two of the things that have provided me the most valuable and meaningful transferable skills into every other aspect of my life, you know, whether that's business or running and managing teams or how I interact with my friends and family. Um, It really has had a profound effect on me over the years. And I really bring that into everything I do with my staff shop and our group of companies here at my group. And as you mentioned in the intro there, we, we do pride ourselves on providing employee benefits that are accessible to as many people as possible. And that's one of our core focuses and beliefs is that they really should be as available and accessible to as many people as possible. And that's one of the reasons why we price our products in the way that we do and why we really value working with partners in in the industry so that we can make sure that what we're offering out to our clients and ultimately out to the colleagues that work for our clients is something that really is going to make a tangible difference in their lives. Um, Because we understand that when colleagues are happy fulfilled they're not worried about money or other things outside of work when they show up for work they can be completely focused you know they really do show up for work rather than their body being there and their mind being somewhere else worrying about whatever challenge it might be going on in their personal lives listeners i i chat with lots of vendors in the space as i'm sure you you can imagine and um genuinely um i'm I'm having a lovely experience working with Jamie and his team, Verity and David and, and the others. That they're they're good people on, with a good mission, and um, I would encourage you to check them out. Jamie, with all the focus on saving money, cutting benefits, tightening belts, etc., rewards leaders might think that now is not the right time to be launching a benefits scheme. Tell me why you think that they're wrong. 
Well, I think that those reasons are exactly the reasons why they should be launching a benefit scheme. And the reason I say that is because in my mind and in my experience working with clients in this space, it is the best way to cut costs because in reality, I love to give the example of if you were to, when I'm talking to to clients, if you were to give everybody a £1,000 pay rise, what would that cost you as a business? You know, let's say there were 100 employees and each of them were to get £1,000. Well, that's £100,000. But then that's not all of the cost because you've got the employer's NI cost on top of that as well. So that's another 13,800, give or take, pounds on top of that. Um, so the real cost there to the employer is 113,800 pounds. But the real kicker bill is that the the colleague only actually sees about 70% of that 1,000 pounds. So in reality, they're only going to see about 660, 670 quid in their pay packet by the time it's gone through all of the relevant uh, tax treatments. So actually, and, and there's no denying that with the cost of living the way it is at the moment um, and the state of the economy, that many people in the UK are really feeling the pinch. And so something has to be done. So the question is, well, what do businesses do and what's the extent of their social responsibility in that regard? And the reality is that there are a lot of businesses out there who just cannot afford to pay their staff an extra 10% this year to keep it in line with inflation. And were they to do so, it would effectively put them out of business. Um, there are some businesses who can afford to do that. And we've seen some great examples across uh, mainly some of the bigger corporates who have increased salaries and given one-off cost of living bonus payments to colleagues to help them cope, which is great. Um, but when, it, when we talk about providing employee benefits, especially with the discounts and savings. A colleague can save over a thousand pounds a year on their everyday essential expenses if they use the platform diligently. So essentially what we're saying is that you can create the same outcome, if not a better outcome for your colleagues by giving them access to these tools and resources. It's that old adage of teaching a person how to fish rather than giving them a bucket of fish. So that they can go out there, they can save money, they can reduce their expenses. And the, the great news is that the cost to the business on average is somewhere between one and 4% of what it would cost them to give that pay rise. So my argument right back to that point would be, actually, that is the best way to cut costs. Because if you don't do something, the reality is that your colleagues are going to be less productive. And the reason for that is that if they're worried about money, if they've got financial concerns or mental health concerns or whatever challenges it might be that they're experiencing outside of the office, when they do show up for work, those things are going to be playing on their minds. And anybody listening to this knows in your own personal life, if you've got external challenges and pressures, it does distract you from your day-to-day -day responsibilities. And so for that reason alone, it is imperative that the companies do something to ensure that productivity levels remain high within the business. And the other point I would make on this bill is that the bar is has been set quite high now. There are many, many businesses, large and small, who offer 
a suite of employee benefits. And so the real challenge for those businesses out there who are looking at this and thinking about introducing a scheme or upgrading a scheme, they really can't afford to wait because in the jobs market, there are people out there looking at different businesses and different packages, different salaries, but different benefits packages as well. And oftentimes the benefits package on offer can be the thing that sets you apart from the competition or not. And so I think it would be potentially a really big mistake for companies to neglect this side of their business and essentially put themselves on the back foot when it comes to recruitment by not having something that is or what has now become industry standard to be able to attract the best people into their teams. And as we all know, if if you struggle attracting the best people for the for the job into the team, it's going to create headaches across every aspect of the business. And, and that's what we're really keen to avoid. Okay, love it. Thank you very much. That is a very comprehensive and compelling argument. Uh, let's mix things up now. I'm going to challenge you uh, in the next, for the next couple of questions to answer in 60 seconds or less. The, the next question for you is as follows. In 60 seconds or less, Jamie, what, what are the main roadblocks for reward leaders and people managers when it comes to getting buy-in from the leadership on any new initiatives? That's a great question. And there's, there's three main reasons that I'm seeing in the marketplace at the moment. The first of which is a, a biggie and it's lack of buy-in from the senior leadership team. Um, there's no question that if the company and the leadership of the company doesn't believe in the value of employee benefits um, and hasn't got that, that firm focus on creating a great culture in the business, that is the single biggest roadblock to making something like this happen. And if it does happen, to actually making it effective and, and creating a, an employee benefit system where the colleagues are engaged with it. I'd say the other big roadblock is not understanding the needs of your people. And I think it's really important that businesses get really good at listening to their staff, you know, being able to ask intelligent questions about what their struggles are, what are their challenges, both inside and outside of work, and what do they feel they need to support them through those challenges. I think any great employee benefit scheme starts with a really deep and detailed understanding of exactly where the people are that are, go are going to be affected by that scheme. And finally, it's not meeting colleagues where they are in terms of the communication strategy. You know, we work really hard when we're working with clients to identify the different types of employee demographics within that business, the different groups, um, and the best ways to communicate with those groups. You know, how do we need to talk so that they will listen? And not getting that right can really kill any kind of initiative or scheme before it gets off the ground. Why not subscribe to the premium version of HR and Review? You'll get ad-free content, early and extra episodes and more. Even better, although it's the premium edition, it's absolutely free. Sign up at hrreview.co.uk slash podcast. Very good, very good. Okay, again, in 60 seconds or less, and in the context that I've had an opportunity to work with you and your team, and I'm having a great time so far, how critical is the relationship between one's provider and people teams to the success of the benefits program? Absolutely critical in my experience. The provider is the expert with access to tons and tons of data. 
us as an example, we have hundreds of thousands of employees enrolled in our employee benefit schemes. And that gives us an incredible insight into what works and what doesn't. But what I would say is that we really view our relationships with our clients as partnerships more than a supplier um, kind of relationship. And so we're, we're really invested in one of the first things we do is to drill down into what are the outcomes and expectations of this platform, this program? You know, what does this need to achieve both on the front line for your people um, and all the way up through the business when we're talking about how that's going to create some meaningful return on investment at the company level? Um, and we work closely to analyze the masses of data that we have, not just about that particular business and their colleagues, but in a wider field so that we can develop really meaningful, targeted, relevant strategies for making sure that that, that scheme, that platform is communicated in the right ways, is simple and easy to understand and that we're picking up on the relevant trends in the industry so that we're staying current, both for the business and for the colleagues. Follow us on Twitter at HR Review or join us on LinkedIn and Facebook. Okay, so you mentioned there the importance of the role of communication, Jamie. Can you maybe explain how to keep the conversation flowing between all touch points, you know, employees, people, leaders, stakeholders, etc.? Sure. I think one of the most important things is just, as I mentioned previously, is just to understand that employee demographic and really listen to what they have to say. It's completing that detailed needs analysis um, and ensuring that the, the communication of whatever initiative that it, it is that you're trying to push out into the business, benefits or otherwise, is as simple as it can possibly be. And not only that, but that the delivery is as simple as it can possibly be as well. Um, I think one of the biggest killers to any kind of engagement in anything is when things are overcomplicated and they become inaccessible because people just don't understand or there's too high of a barrier to entry for people. And so for that reason, it is really important that simplicity is front and foremost. Okay, I am listening and learning, Jamie, and hopefully others out there are doing the same. But um, uh, for those who don't pick up all your pointers today, well, what is the worst that could potentially happen if HR leaders don't follow these tips? Well, three things mainly, Bill. Um, obviously, the obvious one is scheme failure. Um, if you don't follow these simple tips, then the likelihood of the scheme being a success and being seen as valuable both at the C-suite level, but also at the operative level, is in incredibly slim. And that's not anyone wants to see. You know, anybody involved in installing a scheme like this is going to have invested a considerable amount of time, money, and effort. And you want to see positive results from that. And to, to not get that can be a real blow on all sides. And the obvious knock-on effect from that is poor ROI, poor return on investment uh, from, a, from a business case point of view. And the reality is that, you know, if a senior leadership team cannot see a decent return on investment, the, the likelihood of them continuing to allocate time, resources and funds to that is incredibly low, which which is a real shame for for the colleagues. And obviously that can feed into creating just a poor culture and a poor culture 
creates all kinds of unwanted side effects, um, which amount to increased operational stresses, Bill. You know, it's lack of retention, losing your good people. It's then having to go out and recruit rather than focusing on developing the great people that you have. And we all understand the huge costs associated with recruitment and losing great people. But also productivity, as we said before, you know, if, if these schemes aren't working, it means they're not solving the problems that most employees are faced with at some point in their lives outside of work. And so the result from that is that productivity suffers because their minds are elsewhere quite that they're thinking about things that they're going to have to deal with when they get home and and so the obvious stress on the business there is that you're not getting that output that you would otherwise get if those people when they turn up to work were focused happy and fulfilled now jamie the next two questions that i'm going to pose to you are questions we ask of all of our guests okay um so there might be a little bit of repetition from you know uh, previous answers but that's okay because we use these answers in fun and fantastic new ways and we create montages and all the rest of it um so the first of these two standard questions are as follows if you could pass on one crucial lesson that you've learned in your career in one minute or less what would be your top tip for hr pros and leaders understand personalities I think one of the most important things and the most profound things I've done in my career that's helped me the most is really studying human psychology, human behavior, and human personality. And I've studied many different systems from the DISC to all the other iterations out there, the Big Five model. Um, and it was Thomas Erickson's book, actually, Surrounded by Idiots, which I came across, was recommended to me by a colleague uh, around 12 months ago, that really brought all of the stuff that I'd studied before together, but in a way that was incredibly applicable and accessible and just made a ton of sense. Uh, it's a bit tongue-in-cheek, that that's Surrounded by Idiots title, but it breaks down the basic four personality types into four colors, and, and that, for me, makes it really relatable. But beyond that, it provides really actionable pointers on how to understand those different personality types, but more importantly, how to effectively interact with them. And I think that's the that's the secret to success in any aspect of life, and particularly for HR and people leaders, where people is your thing. Um, you've got to be able to understand what people need, what people want, where they're coming from, and how to communicate with them in a way that is meaningful to them and that they will listen to and take on board what you're saying and actually apply that in their lives. The the next of the two standard questions that we ask is, well, it's, it's a biggie, Jamie, okay? But uh, mm -hmm. uh, give, it, give it a go. What is the single biggest change that you think will happen in HR and leadership over the next five to 10 years? Well, I, say, I would say there's two. Um, I think the obvious one that's on everyone's lips at the moment, Bill, is AI, artificial intelligence. With the rise of ChatGPT, um, ChatGPT4 now coming out, I don't think there's any question that we're going to see AI technology proliferate through pretty much every single industry. And I, I don't see the, the people profession being immune from that. And I think that there are huge, there's huge potential, there's huge um possibility there to utilize that to make the people function even more effective even more insightful 
but there's also big risks associated with that around bias as well and how how good you know that my answer to the previous question about understanding personality i question how how deeply an ai can understand a real human personality at this point and so i think there's going to be massive challenges as ai tech it becomes more and more integrated throughout businesses but particularly in the hr function where potentially a people focused function is now being run not by people but more by artificial intelligence so there's there's lots of ethical conversations and uh, conversations around how we can utilize that technology in a way that is going to create the best possible outcomes um, for the people in those businesses but also i think the other thing that's on the horizon is the fact that technology is massively decimating the jobs markets and i do wonder what will happen when we reach that point where most jobs are done by something like artificial intelligence or robots or machines or however you want to describe them where does that leave all the people of the world and more importantly who will be there to support those people who actually don't need to work anymore and i don't know how far ahead in the future that is but just following a logical train of thought if we do eradicate most jobs so that all that's left is the creative the thought leadership the the design and innovation there's potentially going to be a lot of people there without the access to people and hr professionals that they have right now and so i suppose my concern is how will they get the support that these amazing people are currently providing to them through their roles in these companies when they're no longer part of that ecosystem okay let's now change focus a little bit jamie um I'm, I'm delighted to share that you're going to be speaking at a bunch of events that i'm involved with uh including disrupt hr london which is uh, may 9th disrupt hr cambridge which is uh may 11th yep that's two in one week listeners what am i thinking um and uh, also there's an hr meetup happening in beautiful norwich on april 20th which is looking like that's going to be a packed house plus my staff shop uh, are going to be running the new Disrupt HR Birmingham chapter. And I'm, I'm delighted to say that I'm going to be involved with you guys in, in a, in a uh, junior capacity for that one too. What, what, can, what can attendees expect to learn from your talks uh, if, if, if they're lucky enough to come along? Well, my focus is going to be around simplifying employee benefits. And we're going to pull on our wealth of industry insights and our, our management data that we've gathered over the years to essentially highlight what we see as working well and what we see as not working well in 2023 and really looking at uh, some of the stuff we've touched on the podcast today here bill you know why why are employee benefits important both at the colleague level but also at the the c-suite level excellent jamie we are already coming towards the end of this conversation i'm afraid but uh, two more questions for you before we do wrap up um i guess the next one is kind of what else beyond all these awesome activities we've spoken about so far and the events that you're getting involved with tell us a bit more about your plans for this year what can we expect from my staff shop any any exciting new initiatives that you want to share with the listeners yeah thank you bill um you've already you've already mentioned the the stuff we're doing with yourself around disrupt hr and we're incredibly excited to be involved with that it's it's an incredible brand and we've thoroughly enjoyed working with you in particular and 
coming back again to the point I made about treating our relationships with our clients as partnerships, I really feel like what we are doing together is a, a win-win partnership that's really adding value to the HR community. So it, I just wanted to say it's a real pleasure to be working with you on the, the Disrupt HR stuff. But aside from that, we, we have some really exciting stuff in the pipeline. Um, we are actually working on, <clears throat> excuse me, we are actually working on launching our very own podcast. Uh, that's going to be called My HR Headaches. And our view for that is to do something a little bit different. So the concept is we're looking to highlight and amplify the differences between someone working in HR and someone working in the senior leadership team. Two very different personality types, two very different characters. So the example might be a HR manager versus the MD. And we're looking to dramatize a quick five-minute role play where we tackle some of the big questions and some of the big challenges that HR leaders face in their world of work. And the goal then is to break that down and work out what, how the different personality and, and character types have approached that, that problem, um, where there may be misunderstandings, and then to educate and help inform so that people on both sides of the fence, so the HR professionals and the, the C-suite on the other side, can understand each other better, communicate better, and produce better outcomes. Alongside that, we've been working hard redeveloping our .com website, which you can see at www.mystaffshop.com. Uh, it's a lot more user-friendly now, and so we're really excited about launching that. And we are currently redesigning the discounts and savings platform with a mobile-first approach. So at the moment, our, our discounts platform is very scrolly up and down. Uh, but with the mobile first approach, we're, you know, swipe life, swipe, swipe right, swipe left. Um, so it's going to be a lot more intuitive, a lot more user friendly. And, and then finally, our very own Verity has had a, an amazing idea to put together our own series of the My Staff Shop Little Book of. So we're going to be doing a series of these. And the idea is to be able to send them out to HR leaders to help inform, educate, and inspire. Uh, but talking about, and again, drawing on those industry insights, talking about things like employee retention, recruitment, employee benefits, and hopefully providing some insights that can help them perform even better in their roles. Uh, well, just on, on what you mentioned there uh, towards the beginning of your, your answer, thank you very much. I'm, I'm loving working with you guys too. Um, and I, I also see it as a pretty cool partnership and long may it continue. Um, one more question for you, Jamie, for today. How can how can our listeners learn more about you? Well, so maybe that's LinkedIn, maybe your email. I used to joke with uh, guests that maybe they want to share their TikTok, but apparently that's getting banned all over the place at the moment. Um, and of course, how can they learn more about my staff shop? Thank you, Bill. Yeah, so people can find more about me on LinkedIn. I'm Jamie Keeling. You'll find me on there pretty easily. Um, I like to share thought leadership pieces and try and get the conversation going around the HR and employee benefits world um, on my profile there. We also have LinkedIn for my staff shop and our various other group companies. And uh, I would give you my TikTok, Bill, but I haven't logged on in some time. So um, it, it might not be the best idea. But we also have some some other cool sites. Obviously, we've got the .com site, mystuffshop.com, which people can go and have a look at. And if anybody's interested in chatting to us about employee benefits, they can hit hit me up on my email, which is jamie.keeling at wearemygroup.com. But aside from that, we have um, 
a great Instagram profile and Twitter profile. So the Twitter profile is really aimed towards our members, our My Star Shop users, and it's about informing them in real time of all the very best deals and discounts on the platform. But Instagram is a little bit different for us. And this was an initiative that was brought in by Verity quite recently, but she wanted to put together a social media channel where we could give people an insight into the behind the scenes, the people behind my staff shop. And so Instagram is a really nice view of some of the things that happen around the office, you know, when we have birthday parties, cakes, and even when we go on our training days and outings. And it's a bit more human. It's a bit more personable and just gives you a bit of an idea of the human beings behind the business. Lovely. Well, that just leads me to say for today, Jamie and Tool, you and I get to hang out together in person on April 20th at the, the Norwich HR meetup. Um, thank you very much. I've enjoyed catching up with you. Thank, thanks for your time. It's been a real pleasure, Bill. Thanks for having me on the show. The HR and Review podcast is brought to you by hrreview.co.uk. hrreview.co.uk is a website dedicated to human resources and related professionals. News items are posted daily together with analysis looking in-depth at topical HR issues. You can sign up for our range of specialist newsletters at hrreview.co.uk slash sign up and follow us on Twitter at HR Review or join us on LinkedIn and Facebook. Thank you for listening.